It's Paolo here from The Song Will Go On, and we're celebrating our podcast launch by giving away some free stuff to our listeners. We'll be giving away some classic soundtracks on vinyl, as well as free gift cards to music services like Tidal and Spotify. From three months of free premium subscriptions to the grand prize of one year of premium Spotify. To enter to win, all you have to do is leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot, share it on social media, and tag us in it. And then at the end of the month, we'll announce the winners via Instagram Live. Not only can you win some great free stuff, but you also help us grow our podcast and make sure that not only the song will go on, but the podcast will go on. And now let's start the pod. On today's episode. In the moonlight, when the shadows play. We're going to keep it very cool, very classy with Moonlight by Sting from the 1995 movie Sabrina. Who am I kidding? This song was written by John Williams, my film music god. I'm too excited. I can't keep my cool. Let's start the pod. Hello and welcome to The Song Will Go On, the podcast inspired by the songs, inspired by the motion pictures. We're going to cover them all. We continue season one of The Song Will Go On with the song Moonlight from the 1995 film Sabrina. Yes, it was written by John Williams, Alan and Marilyn Bergman and performed, yes, by Sting. Sing on the podcast for the first time. Joining me on today's episode, my co-host... She just came back from Paris in a self-discovery trip. And I must say she's smoking hot. It's Sofia Matano. <laughs> a champagne toast to you, sir. Yes, let's just not sit on the cobs. Yeah. Our guest today, writer, actress, and creator of the blog Lemon Holiday, in which she dives into old Hollywood movies from the 1930s to 1960s. It's Sarah Youngblood. Hi, hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored. We are so excited, Sarah, to have you here. First, before we dive into, I, I cannot believe you picked this film and this. I'm just so excited. But before <laughs> that, I want to hear about your blog and like what made you start that blog? Well, yeah, um, I spent a lot of time horizontal in the pandemic in my <laughs> bed, um, watching a lot of old movies. And at some point I was like, you know what? I could actually be productive with this and take to the digital streets, pound that digital pavement and let people know the good word, the good word of old Hollywood. Yes. Well, that's why I ask because I feel like we have very really similar stories. Like I started Gigawatts, the YouTube channel in the pandemic, finally had time. And it was like the best thing I could do. This is a Gigawatts podcast. So this is I actually the idea for this pod started in 2020. It just took this long to get made. Yeah. But um, so that's awesome, man. I, I'm, I'm so glad I, I like hearing those kind of stories where people just find like myself, just a window where they could mm -hmm. really explore their creativity. And I am also a sucker for old Hollywood films. I'm not, I think, as well-versed as you might be, but oh, I mean, thanks. I did I did a short film and called Real Love and they go into old films and recreate them as part of like this romantic story and Casablanca oh, is one of my favorite uh, uh, films. Yes. But I'm so glad you picked this song because honestly, 
I was shocked that anyone besides me knew about this song <laughs> and this movie. <laughs> I think I felt like this would be an episode 150, and here we are, less than 10, and we already got to Moonlight by Sabrina. Oh, I'm here and I'm for so you. shocked. <laughs> um, so I want we're dying to know what made you pick this song, this movie. What? Was it the song, the movie, or? A little bit of both. This movie is a bit of a comfort film for me, but this song just sounds like the early 90s. Like it sounds like pleated khakis. <laughs> it sounds like a cappuccino. You know, it's like in the last era where adults were truly adults, which I mean, I don't know if that is necessarily admirable, but it's at least immensely comforting. Oh, I, I know what you mean. Like I, I was looking at Greg Kinnear's outfit and he's like khaki polos tucked in and a belt. That was a successful yeah, hey guy Zaddy, in the yeah. 90s in the baggy pants, you know? <laughs> oh, I cannot wait to unpack this song. I, I, but before we get to the song, season one continues, we gotta get to the movie. It's creator. We wouldn't have a song without the movie. That's right. Alive. It's alive. It's alive. Yes, the movie, Sophie. I want you to do your magic and set up the movie for us so we can start. Okay, I got you. So Sabrina is a 1995 romantic comedy drama directed by Sidney Pollack and written by Barbara Benick and David Raphael. The film stars Julia Orman as the eponymous Sabrina Fairchild, Harrison Ford as Linus Larrabee, and Greg Kinnear as David Larrabee. This film was a remake of the 1954 Billy Wilder film of the same name, which starred the iconic Audrey Hepburn and Humphrey Bogart. Which in turn is an adaptation of the 1953 play by Sabrina Taylor. See, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's dive into the plot. Sabrina is the young daughter of a chauffeur who likes to read a lot. He became a chauffeur just because he wanted to read. That's what he wanted to do I with know, his I life. Wonder, it's beautiful. Yeah. I wonder when he discovers books on tape. <laughs> <laughs> Audible must be like his thing. <laughs> So he's a chauffeur to the old money high society Larrabee family. She harbors an unrequited love for the family's youngest brother and infamous playboy, David. After realizing her feelings for him have stunted her, she leaves for a Vogue internship in Paris. Don't we all? <laughs> there, she becomes a chic and sophisticated young woman. Natural progression, yes. Exactly. In her absence, David has gotten engaged to a doctor from a billionaire family, as you do. But when Sabrina returns home, David is completely captivated with her and her Parisian makeover. David's workaholic older brother Linus worries his brother's infatuation with Sabrina will jeopardize the upcoming nuptials, which would upset a merger of family businesses and cost the Larrabees one billion dollars. I mean, that TV, did you see the flat screen? Like, yeah. technology. You can shoot it and yeah. it will survive. Linus carries out a plan to direct Sabrina's attention away from David and toward himself. What will happen, however, if he begins to fall in love with her too? Allegedly, Pollock originally turned down the project because he was worried the material was too dated to work in 1995. When he ultimately agreed, he sought approval from Wilder himself to make the film. This is the only remake in Pollock's body of work, by the way. Hmm. For authenticity, the film was mostly shot in Long Island at a mansion built for J.P. Morgan's grandson in 1929. And <laughs> <laughs> All right. So they went okay. to the source. <laughs> Legitimate. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and also in Paris, as many exterior shots show in the film. The film was released on December 15th, 1995. Unfortunately, the film is mostly considered a box office failure, making $53 million domestically on its 50 to $58 million budget 
though it grossed a total of 87 million worldwide. It has a 63% on Rotten Tomatoes from Critic. That's not bad. And 64 audience scores. So this is one of the rare times where critics Maybe only and- critics saw it. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, the critics and the common folk are in agreement for once. You yeah, don't see that. That's true. That's true. Yeah. The consensus being the direction and performances are pretty good, but it just doesn't measure up to the original version. So what do you think? Well, I want to start with Sarah, who oh. picked this movie. I'm really curious where you stand on this. Um, oh man, I mean, I, I have a hot take on this, especially as someone who yeah, apparently yeah, is a classic to film this? blogger. Yeah. Um, I like this better than the original. Whoa. I know it's a shocker. And wow. that's not to say that the original is bad. I don't think you can say a Billy Wilder movie is bad. But yeah, there's something about this that really works on me. Okay. I mean, I mean, one Harrison Ford, the Harrison Ford of it all. Right. That's, okay. I don't think we you have can... a lot to unpack there, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I first saw this movie after after a very stressful year in my college experience as an acting major, as a BFA acting major. We had this really awful thing that I think is mostly um, been obliterated at this point in most schools, but we had a thing called the BFA cut, which is when you had to re-audition to keep being part of the program that you were spending all of this money That's to be savage. in. That's savage. That's insane. It really is. I ended up craw- crawling on top of a piano at one point crying um, <laughs> when I was waiting to hear what happened. For the re-audition? <laughs> yes. That was your re-audition? Like, yeah. Ah, yeah. yeah. That was it. I went into the room and yeah. I was like, guys, do I have a monologue for you? I can give range. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't a re-audition. You just broke down. They were like, yeah. you you make it to next yeah. grade. <laughs> The vulnerability. <laughs> but anyway, I, I I made it past the cut. I was on my way back home after the end of the year and I was in a very like emotionally exhausted space. I was like crying at the airport, like 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 release, like joys of tear, mm-hmm. tears of joy, whatever that <laughs> phrase is. I, I'm going back in my mind right now and I'm mm-hmm. living in it and I was just as scrambled then as I am now. <laughs> Long story short, I got on the plane, rented this movie that I had like walked by Blockbuster all the time and seen the cover of. And I was like, that's a striking one. Yeah, yeah, it really yeah. is. Great cover. Yeah. They did a good job with the poster. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Harrison Ford under, yeah, with Julia Armand's face. With and it's all white. It's just, stands, yes. I can see it standing out it's in striking. Blockbuster, just white and, and yeah. black and red. You're like, what yeah. is this classy affair? So, I mean, basically I was in like a very like emotional space where like, you know, if a cult leader wanted to indoctrinate me in that moment. <laughs> Sign would, me up. Yeah. <laughs> like literally like that's what this movie is for me. It is the aha. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My higher purpose. So I'm, I'm a little biased. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Sophie, I'm so curious. Have you ever seen this movie before the pod? No. <laughs> so opposite experience to Sarah. Uh, I was aware of the Hepburn version. I believe in high school when I had my I'm a cinephile moment, I was going back through some of these classic movies and had an Audrey Hepburn period. And well, she's I did amazing. Watch yeah. It then. Yeah, yeah, I think we all went through that. Yeah. yeah. But it was a one-time watch. It's not one of my favorite mm-hmm. uh, Hepburn movies. So I got to sort of revisit it for this and then watch the 95 version for the first time. I have thoughts. <laughs> I, I, I don't I, I don't want to be comparing it to the Billy it's Wilder hard version. Not to, though. But it is yeah. hard not to. And I know that in terms of getting this movie going and casting it. Everyone was aware that they would be completely compared to Audrey Hepburn. And I think that there were a lot of actresses who did not want to take that on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So major props to Julia Ormond Mm -hmm. for 
doing so well in this mm-hmm. role, I think that it it would be very hard to fill Audrey Hepburn's shoes. Yeah. Well, I mean, did you come across this in your notes? Um, Winona Ryder was. I did. Yeah. She turned down the role. I don't and see that working. Yeah, that was a, that was either. a smart. Yeah, move, I, I was. It was the right call. It was yeah. the right call. She she really likes self assess there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you want to have a little casting moment? I can tell you who else was considered for Sabrina. Gwyneth Sandra Paltrow. Bullock. Sandra Bullock. You're correct. Oh, Gwyneth Paltrow. She would have been. I can. She, I can she see would have it. Been okay. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. just need to like remember '90s Gwyneth. Versus Goop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> a completely like, different movie. piece. I yes. can't imagine Sandra Bullock. And I I mean, I love all of these actresses. Right? She's but. too, she's too like uh, a, guy's, a guy's girl, yeah. you know, like in speech. She's like, I like football, you know, like I can drive with a bus. You know, that's, <laughs> that's what she. <laughs> that she, she really great impression. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Miss Congeniality. Yeah. She's yeah, yeah, also yeah. like, like, yeah, ah, you know, I, you guys are so soft. I'm like, yeah, FBI yeah. agent. Well, here are some other probably not great choices. Okay. Demi Moore and Cameron Diaz. I don't know. I can see Demi Moore working. She she could probably do it. Like, yeah. But not I mean, uh yeah, not not Cameron. Sorry, Cameron. No, I know. Again, again, all of these people have wonderful um, yeah. presences and personalities and Cameron's Diaz laugh would have been distracting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a great laugh. Uh, it fits for the, the yeah. mask. At the end of the Sabrina, day, Julie nah. Armand does really work. And I think it also helps that she's like one of those actresses, like she's been in everything, but she's also like, she just disappears. Right. Like she's not, I don't think she would be considered a household name even today. No. Um, no, I was even looking up her body of work mm-hmm. and she was in so much more than I realized. Mm-hmm. To jump ahead, I guess she's have a career where kind of like, I guess she's done everything like she wants. It depends how you measure a career of success. If it's playing a lot of interesting roles mm-hmm. and working with a lot of creative people that you want as an actress or actor, she's above there. If it's like blockbuster American box office success, she's not a Julia Roberts, Sandra Bullock, but you look at her her filmography and you're like, bang, she, she yeah. Would, I mean, yeah. The other day we were watching Inland Empire and like there she is in like a role and not even like the center of the role, but she just appears and like yeah, mm-hmm. probably wanted to work with David Lynch. Cool. Yeah, that, that movie's a trip. Not not to get too distracted by that, but I just <laughs> had a flashback. Not a Paris makeover trip. It's yeah. not the kind of trip. Well, I actually have a strong connection to this film, which is surprising because, and it's not John Williams. That's another connection. But my mom, I have an older brother and my mom, and my mom was a single mom with two kids. So she never really like did stuff for her. Took us to the movie to see whatever we wanted. This is one of the few memories where I remember my mom was like, I'm going to go to the movie theaters. You're going to come with me. You're going to shut up for two hours. And you're (laughs) just going to let me watch this Harrison Ford Sabrina movie that I want to (laughs) watch. And because it was such a rare event, I can close my eyes and just picture myself being in the movie theater as a kid watching this movie, which at the time I, I thought it was a complete snoo fest, like just people talking. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what is this? Oh, my God. Yeah, like, for a kid, I Indiana can't imagine. Jones and like, oh, he does his talk. Like, <laughs> But I still I can close my eyes and I just it, it was also like a very old theater in Puerto Rico. So it has like that cinema part. They used to like feel to it mm-hmm. like one screen, the community theater and just seeing like there's a, also like an elegant aspect to this film a lot. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it kind of like obviously I glamorize it once I close my eyes. So I have that connection to it. Flash forward when I really started getting into film music and I love this score for John Williams. Oh, I absolutely love it. Yeah. Now I just have have this like double feature of connection like i have that old memory of it something special and then now I, I like it for john williams score and so you guys i'm talking about john williams score you guys are talking about julia i just want to play you mm-hmm. something because 
this film, it does a couple of things well, really, really well. And I just want to play you perhaps my favorite moment of the film, which is literally just the beginning credits. Just, that's John Williams. Once upon a time. And then her voice. On the North Shore of Long Island, not far from New York. It feels like such a comfort blank. There was a very, very large mansion. Like that beginning, like that tone, like her her voice complements the music so much. Mm -hmm. I can't help to think that there was like a better version. Just if I play that, that's the beginning of an amazing movie. And like I said, I think this movie does a lot of things really well. And then some of it is just like, (laughs) ah, you know, like I don't buy it as a romance Mm. film. I buy it as a coming of age film. The movie crosses a point where I just feel like it's trying to follow the plot that it wants to without really like taking time to like make that relationship with with Harrison Ford's character. Like they literally just go on one date to go on one date and then to be like, (laughs) I want to go to Paris and start my life over with you. It's hard to buy. I enjoy it more as a coming of age because that was Sabrina. She becomes her own person. And when she comes back home, I feel like that's what really bonds her with the Harrison Ford character. It feels more like a friendship (laughs) connection rather than their heads over here and love for each other. Also, what's the age difference? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot. On their only date, they were like, oh, remember that story where I was like eight years old? Old and you were like a guy. Yeah. <laughs> Look, he looks grizzled because he's so serious. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, perfect casting for Harrison Ford. Yeah. For me, it's it, it's very effective. We talked a lot about the legacy of taking on an Audrey Hepburn performance, right. but also Harrison Ford is stepping into Humphrey Bogart shoes, which holy, and those are some large shoes to fill. Very true. Um, and also it's interesting because I know Humphrey Bogart was very hesitant about taking Sabrina, the original film, because he had never done a comedy prior to that movie. Mm. And he did a couple, I think he did two or three other comedies after that film. But I mean, the lore of that movie is that he made a big stink about thinking Audrey Hepburn was not a good actress. And he also apparently was at odds. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> at odds with William Holden and Billy Wilder as well. And, and both William Holden and Audrey Hepburn were regulars in Billy Wilder's mm-hmm. uh, stock company of actors. My pop psychology on that is um, I think Humphrey Bogart was just nervous. Right. And it's easier to like point a finger at other people instead of just being like, I am afraid and I'm feeling very out of my depth. And he does a great job. But I wonder if Harrison Ford, you know, is like, oh, I'm taking on, you know, Humphrey Bogart has a certain persona and he's like trying to embody that in some ways. Right. Because you sort of have just a question mark. I don't yeah. know. You sort of have to do an homage to what the original performance mm-hmm. was because it's what everybody loves, but you also can't just do a Humphrey Bogart impression. This is one thing I forgot to Google before the pod, but how old is Harrison for doing this filming? Because he looks older in sure. Sabrina than what he looks right now. Like Indiana Jones <laughs> 5, he looks younger than well, Sabrina. They make that, him look so old. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder if they, because they also like that haircut feels like a very unflattering haircut for him. Yeah. I think there were some ways they were also trying to desexify mm. him because I mean Harrison Ford is I kind of think they yeah they accomplished that because <laughs> even she makes like, a comment in the Julia Ormond makes that comment in the movie when she's like you know like who's your barber and he's like oh I go to my my dad's old barber who's mm-hmm. 90 As a, Sabrina <laughs> you can't really talk because you had a bad haircut all your life like, and then you yeah. just copy someone else's haircut yeah. that um, was her makeover she was like I was just gonna be like this I lady I am very glad that you brought up haircuts because mm-hmm. this movie if there's one takeaway from this movie, it's the power of, of a haircut. It really and, is. And the glasses. 
and lose the glasses. <laughs> yeah, so you have to Clearly, lose the glasses. people with glasses are not attractive mm-hmm. yeah. by this movie. Make sure that you are not going to the same barber that your dad did, so, yeah. especially I, if he's 90 years old. Yeah. <laughs> Probably a WTF moment, but I'm just going to throw it there. The gun scene. Like, first off, does that gun does not make any noise? No one hears it. And also, I think was it you, Sophie, were watching. It's like, why do you keep a gun in your drawer in the yeah, office like there, i have many questions have lots <laughs> of red flags right there yeah. I, was all I have theories and they are very dark yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah. it's like what do you do with a gun with a drawer but at the same time like maybe it's like that's what rich people do it's like like you know, it, know that's one of those moments where i just go someone wanted to write a joke and they just <laughs> didn't have the heart to cut it, um, it or change yeah. it. <laughs> it it's a holdover from the original so instead of tvs they have a plastic plastic patent the other family that they're trying to get david to marry into owns sugarcane in puerto rico paolo so um they want to that's why they want to merge the family i will say i found that funnier this time thinking about about that because mm-hmm. I was like it totally makes sense in the original that he's like look at how indestructible this plastic is like look at how strong and it. it's like the the new metal or whatever and and then this one it was like he's not excited about the technological advances of the right. TV <laughs> of this flat screen TV that looks very modern I was like oh I was like you know what that looks like any of our TVs in our houses right now but he's like look it doesn't shatter. Like, he's like, this is our big selling point with this one. Yeah, I can't say that that's ever been a downside in a TV <laughs> no. that yeah. I can't shoot it. Whenever with my you hand drop, you know, I think the joke would have landed better if they would have done a cutscene to the assistant outside being like sure. under the desk or something. Right. Yeah, Which, yeah, by yeah. the way, assistant kills it. She steals every scene. Oh, she's, she's so funny. She's yeah, she it. was yes. great. Here's an unanswerable question: David Larrabee absolutely runs that company to the ground at the end, right? If this movie continues, <laughs> like he is not good at leading the company he's like oh don't worry i had it from here harrison foreign goes with sabrina and they're happily in paris he comes back two years stock is down <laughs> they're not worth the plastic did not work or he's maybe innovated it he really like took to the world wide web you know i can imagine him being a little bit more trendy maybe like a- he was like it's not about the hardware it's about the content we gotta get in and yeah, make those deals you know it's what? about he, fun like in the remake like he's the influencer if we're gonna be honest absolutely here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely and then he actually is like no i'm actually really good at marketing because i've learned all of this from my yeah, yeah, yeah. influencing <laughs> um humor me i i just wanted to sort of give the this movie props in the writing department. I actually thought it was pretty expertly written. Maybe not from like a structural standpoint, but the dialogue is yes, fantastic. Yes, yes completely agree. Because it's very concise, but they say a lot with mm-hmm. few words. So <laughs> there's a scene when um, David and Linus are getting into the car and David says, you work Sundays now? And then Linus says, it's Wednesday, David. Like that tells you all you need to know about yes. their dynamic yes. without explaining it to death or showing a thousand scenes. Then there's a scene where Sabrina, I believe it's Sabrina asks the assistant, what was he like as a child? Uh, she's asking about Linus and then the assistant says shorter. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah, that tells me everything you I need know. to know yeah. about how Linus has been his entire, entire life. life. Another example is at the beginning of the movie where Sabrina, which Sabrina, you can't do this. She can't jump from a tree and be like, oh, hey, hi. Like, that's not how you're going <laughs> to score points. But she does. She's like on a tree. He's passing by. He like jumps and he goes like, oh, it's you, Sabrina. Oh, well, I thought it was 
Actually, I, I thought I heard someone kind of like telling her like, oh, she's not, she's no one. Like she's like barely like noticeable. No, I loved that moment. Again, to compare to the Wilder version, he says, oh, it's you, Sabrina. But in the 95 ver- version, he says, oh, it's just you, Sabrina. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's which just so much. Volume. Exactly. Yeah. Also, also just to piggyback on the early moment of the film, I this is a line that I remember hearing the first time I, I saw it. But then in subsequent viewings, I don't know why I just like it never made me laugh as much as it did last night and that Mm -hmm. first viewing but I think it's still in the beginning narration but it is when she's up in the tree and she's like watching David and she just sighs the line like he was in a gap ad and I just was like (laughs) oh it's so funny and it tells you exactly like why she has a he's just like this idolized like ideal version of the guy that she thinks she should be in love with it's so funny and also (laughs) epically 90s gap exactly (laughs) You know, I feel like this movie, it's worth a watch. Definitely worth a watch. Even if it wasn't like a slam dunk or a classic, like I still enjoy myself for the reasons we said, like the performances, maybe not the romantic chemistry for me, but the characters are really well cast. Mm -hmm. The film is really well made. Like there is enough there for like not only seeing, but wanting to actually revisit the film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that the public opinion about this, it's just sort of the curse of the remake. Right. It is by no means a bad movie. I don't think it necessarily deserves the 63%. That's what I was going to say. I, mm-hmm. I think it's just being compared to a classic. Yeah. And even if it is a better movie, which I'm not sure it is, but whenever you're compared to the original that people love, I just think it's always going to have not as favorable of an opinion. Right. It's also something that it's like, let's say this movie yeah, wasn't called Sabrina. Right. And it didn't have that baggage. And also if it came out today, I'm like, would it? get a a 63 a 64 like I just don't know because I feel like we also don't have so many films like in this particular niche anymore of like the adults I don't know what the word I'm looking for is not IP driven beam yeah not a yeah not a which is something that the 90s had so much you know yeah have the I miss that eye for an eye with Sally Field or stuff like that (laughs) like those we don't have those we don't it's a very quiet movie it's about relationships and Mm. and I mean they do try to maybe inject a little bit of drama with the the merger and the money and like I mean my brain turned off during those parts (laughs) Uh, I'll be honest yeah it's a very quiet movie I don't know if it would be made today that's why I asked the question about the star is born because in an IP world you can kind of make into like oh you know star is born something that we've had what four already and it's kind of like this baton that gets handed past generation Mm -hmm. so no Sabrina Sabrina could, could, could be like that Maybe, but I I do think that the main appeal of A Star is Born is the music. Each iteration of it has some pretty iconic music in it. Well, speaking of the music. Uh, (laughs) We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, get your tuxedos, your ball gowns ready, some champagne. We're going into the moonlight performed by Sting. What secrets we'll find under the moonlight? Let's find out. Patreon. Every now and then we need a little support to help make the podcast go on. Patreon, support us. And then return we'll give you all we got. And we need you now, tonight. <laughs> Seriously, though, head over to Patreon and support us. We have some really cool perks, exclusive content, and your support will help us grow so we can continue making the show. And then maybe we could afford some singing lessons. Or not sing at all. Just talk about the people who sing. Check us out at The Song Will Go On on Patreon. Just keep secrets as they're wondering. 
We are back and it's time to step out of the shadows and into the moonlight. We're going to talk about Moonlight performed by Sting from the 1995 movie Sabrina. Sophie, before we dive into the song, can you do your thing and set up the song for us? Okay, so Moonlight was written by John Williams with lyrics, <laughs> with lyrics by Alan and Marilyn Bergman. The song appears at the Larrabee party that opens the film with this version being performed by Michael Dees. Yeah, not Sting. It couldn't yeah. get Sting. He well, was like, mm. in the credits, that's when we get Sting. <laughs> Williams and the two Bergmans wrote another song for the film called How Can I Remember, which is also performed by Dees and appears at another point at the party. Okay, Paolo, I just wanted to warn you that I'm going to talk about John Williams now, so please try not to faint. It's fine. <laughs> He's obviously an iconic film composer, possibly the most iconic of all time. Just a few of his credits include Jaws, E.T., Star Wars, take your pick on which one. Indiana Jones, again, take your pick on which one. Basically, 75% of the film music that you can hum is, is tied to him. Yep. Yeah. First two Jurassic Parks, first three Harry Potters. This entire podcast could be me listing his credits, and I think Paolo would be absolutely fine with that. Yeah. Uh, but, okay, so let's just fast forward to, instead of going through his whole career, at this point, he's established himself as Spielberg's guy, so he's pretty busy uh, in 93 with Jurassic Park and then Schindler's List. What a year. Big year. <laughs> Shows range as well. <laughs> and then uh, in 95, he had Sabrina and Nixon. So both scores were nominated for Oscars that year. Let's go to the lyricists. Alan and Marilyn Bergman were a married songwriting duo, which is adorable. They won four Emmys, three Oscars, two Grammys, including Song of the Year, and were inducted in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Some of their credits include The Way We Were for the 1973 movie of the same name. Oh, wow. <laughs> the Heat of the Night, that's music by Quincy Jones from the six, 1967 movie of the same name. In the heat of the night. And The Windmills of Your Mind from the 1968 movie, The Thomas Crown Affair. In the windmills of your mind. Uh, which, funnily enough, yeah. that song was covered by Sting for the 99 remake. Yeah, well, <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Uh, so this brings us to our vocal performance, Sting. This goes without saying, but Sting was the frontman of the English new wave rock band The Police, which formed in 1977. They're considered one of the best-selling bands of all time, and some of their hits include Roxanne, Message in a Bottle, and Every Breath You Take. Sting left the band in 1984 and began his solo career. Skipping ahead to 93, Sting has released his fourth studio album, Ten Summoner's Tales, which includes two of his biggest US hits, yeah. If I Ever Lose My Faith in yeah. You, So much to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> that one reached number 17 on the Billboard Hot 100 and Fields of Gold, which reached number 23. Basically his biggest hit as a solo career. Yeah, at least in the US. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, there isn't a lot of information about the writing of this song or how Sting came to be involved in the project. The song didn't really chart. It wasn't a hit. And while the song was nominated for an Oscar, Golden Globe, and Grammy, it lost all of those to Colors of the Wind from Disney's Pocahontas. <laughs> 
Well, <laughs> Williams's score also lost uh, to the, the best original score for a musical or comedy to Pocahontas. So um, it was just Alan Menken's year, guys. <laughs> it takes a lot for John Williams to win an Oscar, too. Like, it does, yeah. You know? But clearly this is a culmination of several musical geniuses. And despite that, it kind of flew under the radar. So perhaps we can give it a little attention today and put a spotlight on this song. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I was shocked that anyone else knew about this song before this pod. So, Sarah, what is what is your connection to this song? When it plays at the end credits, it's just like a yummy moment, you know, like they're on a bridge. They're macking on each other's faces. That was the least uh, sexy way I could have put that. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, it's a song that it fits in their world so well. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. The fact that, yes, it does play in um, the story. Mm-hmm. In the beginning at the party, but it also feels like it's a song that they would pick for their wedding song for their first dance, Ooh. you know, like it just it feels like them. And I don't know how many songs from movies you can say that about. I think you're onto something, but okay. I want to hear <laughs> self connection to this. So have you heard this song ever before I read this spot? <laughs> Not until a couple days ago. <laughs> I'm very embarrassed to say. No, um, I mean, it's no one knows about this yeah, song. No, That's the yeah, thing. Really, like, no, yeah. one. no, it's true. I am obviously familiar with Sting, so I was excited that he was involved in this. And I wish I could have found out more information about the creation of this song. Being familiar with the police and Sting's career, I can sort of see why he would be attracted to this jazz project. I can see elements of jazz in his career, mm-hmm. but this is probably his first like true jazz song. At least that's what my half-ass research is telling me. I think that the score for this movie is so beautiful and maybe one of my favorite from John Williams. I think it's really special that we got a song from him. I can only think of a couple examples where mm-hmm. he's a songwriter, uh, you know, involving lyrics and, and everything. I just think that that's a a nice moment that we get to have that. Yeah, I'm going to piggyback, literally continue your thought. Before I I do that, I want to connect with what I said about my connection to the film, which Mm -hmm. was through my mom. My connection to the song is also through my mom because I said that my mom, I don't remember her like going out to do things that she wanted. And I said, I only had two. One of them was she went to see Sabrina because she wanted. The other, a new Stink City came out. And I remember her stopping by the CD store. She never did that. I Me mean, like, wait here. I'm going to go get a CD. She got the Sting CD. And for the next couple of months or year, that's all. That that was on the, on the car CD. It never left. Sting was like my mom's favorite artist. So I have this strong connection to Sting too. And like, no, his, his, I actually know more of his solo work, I think, than the yeah. police. Mm-hmm. The police is something when I like, as a teen, I was playing drums, but his solo work, I can feel like I know it from the back. Cause I was just, it was my background music growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, wh- which album was it? Was it 10 Summoner's Tales? It was this one? Yes. Oh, yes. cool. It, w- it, it was this one. Yeah. So yeah. So I had this connection to, to Sting based on that, but then also like I said, the John Williams part of it. And Sylvie, you were saying how Mm -hmm. for the body of work he's done, like that's not really like his thing. And when he does write movie songs, they're not pop songs. You know, they're not like a Brian Adams song or or like a blockbuster. (laughs) They're very much like feel like part of the movie here. Like I'll play you one of my favorite films, Hook. Mm -hmm. Not my favorite thing of Hook. But... (laughs) Are you kidding? This was like a, like such a big moment in my life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Home Alone, Somewhere in My Memory. 
Yeah, these are not pop songs. Obviously, they're amazing songs. They they do magical things to the film. Right. And um, they're very memorable, too. Can You Read My Mind from Superman, which actually was the closest thing you can come. Not the film version, the version they released right, yeah. in the pop version, in yeah. the pop version. But still, it's not it still feels like a movie song. other ones that I could find was For Always from AI. That's Josh Groban. Yeah, I thought so. (laughs) So yeah, at the end of the day, this is like the, I feel like the best shot that we have of a John Williams pop song, which is if you put it in that context, it's insane. Mm-hmm. Like the most famous mm-hmm. film composer, the best shot at him working with a pop artist like Sting. And in the moonlight, when the shadows play, when the thought of what could happen takes your breath away. So one of the curious thing, I, I think that even though this feels like a pop hit, it's still like a John Williams songs in the sense of it's still using melody from the score, the actual score. That's what's kind of cool. I mean, all the examples I played, the hook, the Home Alone, AI and Superman, like they're all using the melody from the score. Right. Not all movie songs do that. Some of them don't. You can have huge pop hits using the melody, but still, it's not something super common. I love it that here, it really feels tied to the story because he does use the melody from the song in the score here. Check it out. Which, if you could humor me both for a while, (laughs) this is a very half-baked theory, but Sabrina actually has two main themes. Because remember that clip I played to you at the beginning, the piano, the stuff? Like, that music gets used, to my observation, more associated with Sabrina. Sure. Mm -hmm. But in The Moonlight, actually, I picked up watching the film, and it's more associated with Harrison Ford's character. Mm. And even that clip I played is him going to Paris to chase right him mm-hmm. you know moonlight talks a lot about sort of reflecting what the characters do in the film like stepping out out of shadow and sort of being yourself like i said i, I saw this film as both of them do that not just sabrina also harrison ford steps out into and becomes his own person so the fact that the moonlight song gets used a lot with harrison ford this is just me looking for stretching this but at the climax when he shows up in paris he steps out of the shadow and into the light Ooh. to surprise her. <laughs> is Moonlight Harrison Ford's song? Because we have another song, the one used with the Sabrina theme. How can I remember? That's her obsession with David and, and all that stuff. Is Moonlight Harrison Ford's character song? I don't know. I don't know. No, but You touched on something that I wanted to bring up too, which is in the original Sabrina, obviously Le'Veon Rose is another yes. uh, that they use that a lot. But right. also they use Isn't It Romantic? And that's sort of the song that keeps getting brought up again and again 
in that movie. And they used How Can I Remember as her special song with David instead in our 95 version. So I found it interesting that How Can I Remember... It was another song written by all the same folks for this 95 version. However, that's not that wasn't chosen as the standout song to have Sting come and perform in the right. credits. Moonlight was chosen instead. And I think Moonlight that relates more to Linus and Sabrina instead of Sabrina and David, which is how can I remember? Right. So maybe that's why Moonlight was chosen as the standout song instead of how can I remember, which is again mentioned by name. Sabrina says, like, oh, and then the orchestra will play. How can I remember? And you know, I, I expected them Be- better secure the rights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, Williams wrote it. So I was like, oh, this must be the famous song. Like, this is the one. But no, it was Moonlight. So I found that an interesting anecdote. Mm. I'm glad you said Linus because I've been saying Harrison Ford and Sabrina because yeah. I cannot remember. <laughs> Look, you, it's, you can't thing. forget yeah. it's Harrison Ford, yeah. even with the bad haircut. <laughs> <laughs> I swear I'm not going to monopolize this into John Williams conversation, but... But you'll try. <laughs> but another thing for me to geek out is that John Williams was Johnny Williams at one point in his career. Johnny! Oh, hey! He started, he started as a jazz pianist. He was a jazz pianist for composers like Henry Mancini, which did wow. James wow. Bond, Pink Panther, like a lot of... Breakfast you know, that, Tiffany's. Yeah. yeah, that sort of big band film music sound i mean he did all all the other stuff but Mm. that's what people recognize so sabrina is kind of a really rare opportunity in john williams career where he kind of gets to play around and you know catch me if you can is a better example but still this is Mm. the other one where it's like it's a little bit of johnny williams here and again that's what i associate with sabrina not Mm -hmm. moonlight the song right well, because this, this is, is Sabrina. Sabrina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, and it represents so well, like her dream. Yeah, dream-like aspect yes. to her life and how she lives in in her fantasies. You know, she lives right. in her fantasies. Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, John, Johnny Williams. <laughs> Johnny. <laughs> I feel like this is a really special moment in John Williams' career. Not not to talk about the score too much. But we saw John Williams at the Hollywood Bowl in 2021, and he played Sabrina. Oh, yes, wow. which they always, sorry, again, this is geek out. They always play it as a violinist, uh, a, a violin piece. You and, want and the piano. And it's uh, great, but I've never heard yeah, it with that piano. And I mean, piano I, is, I literally, so when I was starting music composition and stuff like that, that was one of the pieces. That's like the only piece I can, because I bought the sheet music and I somehow learned how to play that. I cannot learn how to play anything else, but that one, which is a complicated, I just, repetition. And that's, I would only just play that. So it just has a really special meaning in, in my life. Like, yeah. again, I'm shocked that someone picked this. It's and, insane. Well, and for my life, having not been very familiar with this movie or this music until very recently, I have heard you play this song on piano over yeah, and over and yeah, over again. Now you know. I, I mean, I'm I, not sick of it. I it's didn't beautiful. realize you had such a special connection yeah. to this. Because I was also, when, when I saw this on the list of like possible things, I was like, yeah because this is this is like a movie and like a song that like people just don't really know it's, it's this album is not on spotify it is you it no find it's insane it. i had to like listen to the song on youtube i, was I like, know what am i doing yeah. i have some shocking news to everyone listening to okay not everything is on spotify what there's, <laughs> there's value to physical media cds okay grandpa so i'm sorry but it's just like it is it is and, no, and I've, i i am with and, you you know people who are listening to this 
a podcast about movie songs will probably also fans and movie songs is one of the areas where you really don't find a lot of those like mm-hmm. soundtracks. Obviously, Kendrick Lamarck's discovery is going to be on Spotify. That's for sure. But these pockets, not everything's on streaming. So, yeah. I, that's I know. one of the things that makes this song a little bit. Of I, I mean, thing. I was shocked that it wasn't even anywhere on um, Sting's uh, discography. Wow, he, discography. Can I speak? No, <laughs> he he did release this in an album, I believe, did like he? a compilation yeah, album. Sting at the movies or something like that, <laughs> okay. which, which actually is probably a very long album because he has so many movie songs. <gasps> well, he also like cornered the market on like he late did. '90s, like early 2000s romantic oh, with, comedies because yeah. well, like Kay and Leah. I don't know if you guys are going to cover that one until like that. We'll get we'll get to we'll get to (laughs) we'll we'll bring you back. We'll get to Sting. Okay. (laughs) Before we say goodbye to Johnny Williams, I want to play you something and see what you both think. Okay. Johnny, what's going on here? That is a song called Make Me Rainbows from a 1977 film, Fitzwillie, written by John Williams. Oh, this is on my Amazon Prime watch list right now. I'm sorry, it's called it's called Fitzwillie. It's on my list right now. now yeah, I, have I read the synopsis for it. It sounds like a watchable film. <laughs> so he's kind of double dipping. Yeah. Did you recognize something? Mm-hmm, very much. Yeah. By the way, this is not a criticism. It's just an interesting fact. And it happens... Not only happens a lot in film music where doing a lot of similar work or, you know, you're asked to tap into a certain creativity a lot, but also like just artists, you know, I can do an entire podcast about popular artists that borrow from other things. Again, it's not a criticism. I think what he does with Moonlight is pretty impressive. Can we talk Sting for a second, please? So in in doing the research for this song, it was much easier for me to talk about the police and give them a genre of just new wave, (laughs) new wave rock. But then Sting starts his solo career and I didn't really know what genre to put him (laughs) in. I was going to ask you, literally I had in my notes, what genre is Sting? I think he's a genre unto himself. Um, He's kind of, let me play you a couple of things. Oh, please. Might be my favorite Sting song. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, it also could. It's not my. It's my second. But okay, that sounds very pop. You know, rock pop artist. Right. Here's another one from Sting. That's my jam. Yeah. Very, for lack of a better word, but this is like world music. <laughs> no, I mean, the, the the hold that Middle Eastern inspired music had on the late yes, 90s and early yes. 2000s. It was a moment in time. It yes. was. Here's another one. Don't drink coffee, I take tea, my dear. Same artist. I like my toast on the those strings had my shoulders going. I mean, English, is English alternative pop a genre? Because like, maybe it, he maybe it should be. <laughs> He's kind of like the most interesting man in the world at commercial, but for music. <laughs> kind of like his persona a little bit. He also, what, lives in like a, a castle, a manor? Um, <laughs> No, he lives in a New York co-op and he's the prime suspect. In a murder. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> well, we, we know he has a good sense of humor from <laughs> yes. his uh, cameo on Only Murders in the yes. Building, which I always appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Even in that 
same song, Englishman in New York, which mm -hmm. is my favorite Sting song. There's a moment where I feel like he, this is how I read it. He's, I'm not saying that he's doing this on purpose, but it's also like commenting on how he doesn't fall in a box. Here, let me just play you a moment from that song. Mm -hmm. Like, look at that difference. That's such a drastic difference. And I'm just like, yeah, like you're, you're not in one box. You're just yeah, staying. You're doing whatever it you, is. You know what just instantly came to my mind is K-pop in that moment. Because K-pop <laughs> is an That's amazing like amalgamation. Just You're just smashing multiple music genres together. And I'm not saying that they're trying to accomplish the same thing. But Sting just went from like jazz to rock in like no time flat so that is a very interesting observation mm -hmm. well i'm that's just I, i'm more commenting on like maybe that's why it sounds so good to the ear is because it's sort of a feast of of multiple genres yeah. yeah so i want to focus on the song because we talked about this when we we're talking about how the film is elegant but the instrumentation for this song that's like a word that i keep saying like elegant yeah, and I, I can understand why they chose that style of jazz because again this is played sort of at a fancy party and people are dancing to it and it's a much more um restrained version of jazz yeah. i'm not saying that this is the only version of elegant music if you want to make elegant music this is how it sounds because i actually i was thinking when i was again i, I really challenged myself what am i thinking about elegant and sophistication with this sound so much because i'll play you another example from a recent film where it's music that sounds incredibly elegant sophisticated and it's not that genre that was a little bit of johnny greenwood scores for phantom threat mm. Another film, mm -hmm. Paul Thomas Anderson film that has to do about elegance and fabric and texture and like, again, focusing on Moonlight, I wanted to throw a couple of observations your way and see what you think. But one of my favorite things about this song is the high notes. At moments, they kind of feel like stars in the night. They're so soft in the piano. They also have this downward pattern to the melody that also feels like Moonlight comes from above. And mm -hmm. it just, it feels like almost like the song is kind of sprinkling something in the air here i'll play you a little bit All the words you say, make it yeah i love that well i actually almost chose part of that for my seven seconds in heaven which we will discuss later because i love the twinkling of the piano yeah. it sounds like twinkling stars and so yeah. so much of this i don't know if so much of the but a lot of pivotal scenes in this movie take place at night Again, mm -hmm. moonlight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like those piano notes just give that color to it. That I That's probably my favorite aspect of the song is just those high notes that just color it every night. So I, I, I like that a lot. Yeah, it's world building for the song. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Talk about world building. Another thing I, I really like is the melody in this song. Mm -hmm. I love how the melody has this timid aspect to it. The melody, it goes forward and then back. And then Stink's tone is also so like gentle. It feels like a melody stepping out of out of the shadow, mm. but it's afraid to do so. It's you know, a lot it, it's like their like relationship. The <laughs> yeah, just like the character of Sabrina or Linus. Like the melody is constructed in a pattern. It just starts and a little back, and it, but it, it's going through its own journey until flourishing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Here, let me play you a little bit. In the moonlight. See? And back. It's a little bit always takes one step and then back. Yeah. And then it keeps just 
growing and growing. Well, it's also a little bit like dancing, right? Sure. For steps forward and back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like how this song just ties into the movie. It might not be a big pop hit, but definitely a good piece of storytelling. It really is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very I, evocative. Yeah. Right. I think that it is a great representation of the movie, but it's also a lovely song that can stand alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sting has quite the bodywork with movie songs. He oh does. my gosh. Yes. But it's mostly as a performer. For example, this, he's not the writer. He's, right. he's the performer. I was looking at his body of work in movies and he hasn't had the success that some of his peers like Elton John or Brian Adams or Phil Collins have had in this space. He had a really good try with a Disney film, Emperor's New Groove. That was... <laughs> uh, it's Oh, a- that is like criminally underappreciated <laughs> well apparently he wrote songs for that film but oh. apparently it was development hell and he wrote five or six songs and then he i guess wasn't aware how animation worked that the movie kept changing and then they were like oh we well the story has changed now he's like well what about my song <laughs> so at the end of the day like only one or two songs made it into the film but so was was it meant to be kind of like how tarzan handled their music like some of them are diegetic and some of them are played over you know i don't know i actually have not seen emperor's new groove it's a blind spot of mine oh my god i got the biggest eye rolls to (laughs) our ears from both sarah and sophie actually i think it's a fantastic oh it is you know if that's one that's slowly gaining a cult following that's another movie that i really like scoffed at when it came out i was like because i was on that verge of like just being like a little too old too old for disney yeah but it was also one that i think i don't think it did that well at the box office when it came out right or am I, I misremembering I'm not sure I'm sure it did well enough yeah but uh I think that this was probably like Disney being like let's give one to the boys because we've done a lot of princesses lately but it is a genuinely very funny it's movie. so funny yeah also, I mean David Spade and John Goodman what a <laughs> pairing and then Eartha Kit, like Eartha let's Kit. just like bow down to the queen. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Sting wrote five or six songs for that film, and only two made it. The most popular one, "My Funny Friend and Me." was nominated for best original song, but it it wasn't like the pop hit that like again Elton John with Lion King. Or Phil Collins with Tarzan, or even Brian Adams, which he is a partner in crime with another movie song. Oh, that song. He hasn't had this that kind of like major pop success, but Clearly, he's doing fine. He doesn't need movie song success. Yeah. So I guess as much as I love Emperor's New Groove, I cannot tell you how that song goes. I don't know how that. that it's, it's, I don't know. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a movie where it's like it's really more about the the acting. Yeah. The voice acting. Very good it. voice yeah. acting in it. Yeah. But it is pretty baffling that, you know, he hasn't had a song that's really like registered either with the Academy or. I feel like it's so on brand for him it's like mm-hmm. he's too cool for movies he's the most interesting uh, yeah, man in music fair. yeah and he's just like gonna do my own thing maybe the fact that moonlight fits so well into the movie was sort of its detriment it, it wasn't i mean from a billboard chart standpoint sure, sure. because it wasn't that big flashy sexy yeah. and also it's not marketing a marketing song a, it's not a pop genre like that's true 
Seven Seconds in Heaven. Sarah, what seven seconds from the song gives you goosebumps, if any? I really like the lyrics um, that go, In the half-light, can we trust the way we feel? In the half-light, can we trust the way we so you did a double there. You're like, is that your favorite lyric and music part of it? It's a burrito of just <laughs> layers of delicious with, with sound. With the guac, yeah. You, you added know? the, yeah. Add oh, the guac I did. I'm always paying extra. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's your favorite second there? We must be careful not to lose our way completely. For some reason, I get West Side Story from that. There, really? There is a, a his delivery of completely. I just love the performance on that line. Yeah, the vocal performance. Yeah. I mean, again, he just adds so much texture to it. And that's one of the, the sections where he does. For my second seconds, I have... Yeah, the piano solo. That solo feels like, you know, in karate, when they hit your body, some pressure point and you like your hand gets numb or something. <laughs> That's what those notes oh, feel like. Like, like tingling It feels sensation. like they like, they like, I hear it and I just, my body moves like, it's like hitting some pressure point. I'm like, oh my God, you're like hearing all the right notes. Ah, I love that solo. <laughs> um, favorite lyric. You, we know Sarah's. <laughs> yeah, we know Sarah's. But Do look, you, I will just add just a woof. We've all been there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we really are. Sophie, what are your favorite lyrics? Well, I really did love the half light lyric as well. Just the term half light is something I haven't yeah. really heard. So mm -hmm. it was just very poetic for me. But I guess honorable mention to another one since since we've already spoken about it is when the thought of what could happen takes your breath away. Mm, yeah. Which I have experienced many times. Oh yes. Like, you know, we the all. anticipation. <laughs> it's like your Cinderella Let's... moment of like before the party. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. now here are five seconds where we all just think about that moment. Moment yeah. being silent. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Paolo? I actually usually pick short ones. This one I pick a little bit of a long one, but mm -hmm. also a lot of light in this movie. Moonlight, half light, and mine's yes. begin with in the love light. Ah. So at the end, in the love light, when our eyes have grown accustomed to the daylight, we'll see what waits for us to share for all the things we've dreamed of in the moonlight will be there, hmm. which is basically like the morning after. Will, well, will all the chemistry be there? Will all the special things, will the fantasy be a reality or it, is it well, just a fantasy? It matches the last two scenes of the film where yeah, he, yeah. he, you know, confesses his love and he's honest with her in the moonlight. And mm -hmm. then we see them in the daylight, you know, sharing, you know, their day Smoking. together. Yeah. Beautiful, uh, honestly, beautiful if I have kiss. to pick an MVP for the song, lyrics, I might say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the yeah. lyrics are really good, and yeah, I'm and I'm saying that on a John Williams song, but it is. Has it aged well? We ask ourselves if the movie or song has aged well. Sarah, what do you think? Both are classics. Yeah, yeah, yes. To to my eyes and my ears, I am making a meal out of them, but. And maybe I have to say probably not, not that it's bad, but just you don't hear this genre much anymore, but it is accomplishing what it sets out to do for this movie. I hope it's not a, a cop out, but like neither, like it hasn't aged poorly and it hasn't aged 
well. Like, yeah. obviously Sting has aged well, um, right. especially my mom thinks so very well. <laughs> underrated or overrated? I think I know where Sarah's going to stand with this. <laughs> underrated. Yes. <laughs> so? I think I have to say underrated because it's very hard to find this song anywhere. Yeah. And, and it, it, it's not an easily accessible soundtrack. So I guess I'd have to say underrated, even though I don't think it's... I mean, when I think of... Sting's songs, it's probably not one of my favorites. But again, for for the job that it's accomplishing in this movie, I would probably say underrated. It's underrated. Yeah. This is John Williams and Sting. <laughs> what do you mean? That's enough to be like a household movie song. John Williams working with Sting. This is insane. Petition to get it on Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Hall of Fame moment. Who or what had their best moment in pop culture? with mm. the movie or song and it can be anything as creative as you want to be for me it's the scene in the jet plane when sabrina is telling linus about what her name means and she starts telling the story of the poem about a water sprite who saves a virgin and she goes <laughs> or excuse me rather linus goes and sabrina's the virgin and she replies sabrina's the savior oh. kills it Bam. Love it. <laughs> that scene is definitely edited like a mic drop because they cut away. Yeah, they do. Which it's is so basically effective. the film telling like, oh, the yeah. mic has Look, been dropped. Look, I do a fist pump in the air. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question. Is this a Hall of Fame moment for Greg Kinnear as, as an attractive love interest in movies? The only stuff I can think about is... You got male where he's actually like, I think that's the thing about that character. He's so bland. Like he, Meg Ryan's like, I don't, I don't love you. He's the Ralph Bellamy. He's the guy mm. who's always going to be the second banana. Yeah. He's the, either the good or not so good guy that our main character dates while she's like finding the love of her life. Hall of Fame moment for bravery from Julia Ormond taking this role on. Oh, seriously. <laughs> she did a fantastic yeah. job and that couldn't that was not an easy feat. So good on you, seriously, girl. Seriously, yes. Yeah. Here, here. Um, Hall of Fame moment for TV durability. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, it's stand up to a gunshot, a flamethrower and uh, iron. Yeah, they were um, like hitting it with uh, the like fireplace a, poker. A, a poker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which not not to get too geeky about tech, but that TV looked like it had a serious glare. Doesn't seem like the plastic great TV, technology, but I guess yeah. it's gonna 90s. hold up over time. It's yeah. not biodegradable. Yeah. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Hall of Fame moment for TVs. <laughs> That's, I love that. Um, honestly, Hall of Fame moment for Pocahontas and Alan Menken just obliterating <laughs> this movie and, and the music in all of the award uh, categories. Like the granted Pocahontas is not a very good movie, but the music is amazing. And I'm I'm just glad Alan Menken got to have his moment. Sting was like, I'm going to get an Oscar. John Williams by my side. Like, psh, this yeah. is a layup. Sorry. Nope. Alan Menken year. got in the way like so many 90s moments for <laughs> other people. Love you, Alan. Remix, what today's current artist or band would you be your choice if this movie came out today? Who would you pick, Sarah? Well, I mean, I think an obvious choice would be like Nora Jones. Mm. But yeah, yeah. I'm kind of curious of what Harry Styles would do with that. Sarah, goddammit! Because oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Harry's house and we're yeah. all living in it! <laughs> okay, so I originally thought Gaga because she can croon the heck out of a sure, tune sure. if you're familiar with her work with Tony Bennett but I thought Harry Styles would kill this and then I was like is Harry Styles the new sting I yes I went through that I think, same okay, journey excellent as okay 
He might be. That's quite a statement. I'm not yeah. as familiar with Harry Styles' work, but that is quite a statement. He was formerly in a group, and then he went solo. And now he... It's hard to define his genre. Yeah, he, yeah. he plays around. So anyway, mm-hmm. that was my thought. Okay. Okay, so now that we had that beautiful synergy yeah. moment. Mind meld moment. Paolo, what's yours? Mine is very obscure, but mm. I'm proud of it. Um, I'm going to go with an art... And by the way, shout out to my friend Edgardo, because these are two of his favorite artists, <laughs> and he recommended, but... I'm going to go with an artist called John Carroll Kirby hmm. to produce the song. Oh. And James Blake to perform it. So John Carroll Kirby, in addition to producing song for artists such as like Nora Jones, Solange, Harry Styles, Blood Orange. Hmm. He's produced a lot of the work with those artists. He also has his own solo work, which is like this mix of new age jazz, R&B and pop. Here, let me play a little bit. So I want him to bring this into the modern age, yeah. instrumental, I said. He handles that. And then the vocal, I went with James Blake, who we okay. know from hits like Retrograde and so many more. I feel like this is the new male trendy voice. It is. Yeah. Yes. Nice. So that collaboration, I feel like. I'd listen to that. Yeah, I would dance would be under like, the moonlight to yeah. that. <laughs> WTF. What a, a moment from the movie or song that kind of made you have, like, needed, like, a second opinion or, like, made you... Did you find anything here? I mean, the TV moment. Yeah, we, <laughs> we, we talked well, about it to death. So, I do have to say, I do have um, one WTF moment mm-hmm. from the movie, and that is not giving Paul Giamatti more screen time. Thank you for bringing <laughs> this up. How do you not know you have one of the greats on your hands? Sabrina, yes. how can you fall in love with David Larry when you have Paul, a stud? Paul Giamatti. <laughs> he was there the whole time. <laughs> yeah, and you only see him in profile. Like, he's just one of the people, one of the servants, I guess, at the table, and he maybe gets half a line of yeah, dialogue. Which, I mean, he gives his all to, yeah. I will say. Yeah. <laughs> to be continued, should we revisit this movie and talk about other songs in the soundtrack? No, there's only one other song, <laughs> and I don't think we would say anything that we haven't said in this pod, so I think that's a conclusion for this. Yeah, and, and you don't get Sting with that other one. So. Yeah. We'll yeah. definitely cross path with Sting again. I'm, I'm looking sure. at you, Three Musketeers, yeah. but... Will the song go on? Do you think this song will be part of pop culture will this live on beyond the movie or the soundtrack unfortunately i think it's barely part of pop culture yeah. already was... uh, so maybe we can start a campaign to bring it into part pop culture um but unfortunately no i think this one is kind of getting swept under the radar here's what barely. we do it's barely alive it's in like hanging by a thread <laughs> we need to make a tiktok dance to this song oh there and you then go we'll bring it out of the shadows YouTube comment selfie, you scoured the internet to find what people were saying on YouTube about this song. You find anything good for us? Yeah, okay, so here are a couple. Worked in a movie theater when this film was released. Cleaned up between showings while this song played over the credits. Danced in the aisle with my coworker more than once, I admit it. Oh. I really hoped that was going to... For like, and then we fell in love. Yeah, I was, I was, like, yeah. I was like, more than one. I was like, don't stop there. What happened? Did you guys like hit it off? Like, but I can relate to this. I also worked in a movie theater, mm. and there are some movies that play when I was working there that the end credits have this whole meaning to me because I mean, the, the, you know, well, the movie was ending. So Aww. yeah, I, I relate to this comment. That was a good one. <laughs> 
Okay, here's another one. Wish I could find this song on yeah, Spotify. Mentioned Crying that. emoji. Yeah, it ain't. We, we yeah, mentioned it. Okay, here's one. This man's voice is what sex feels like. <laughs> <laughs> I like that it wasn't sounds like, but it's feels what it like. Feels, feels like. <laughs> Okay, here's more. Okay, this is a two-parter, actually. Uh, so someone commented 10 years ago, and then they came back. Or sorry. <laughs> came back. <laughs> then they came back eight years ago, so there's a two-year gap here. I think I watched the movie just to hear this song. I'd love to be in that dress and dancing with the man I dream of, dot, dot, dot. As if that could ever happen. Oh. Huh? I don't dream about anyone. It's too depressing. <laughs> I lose sleep anyway, so I just enjoy the songs. And kind of wish. Oh. Then they come back. She found someone, please. <laughs> She's like, hey, well, <laughs> internet, I'm happy now. I just, I want to hear oh, this. Well, I'll yeah. let you know. What would a movie be without music like this? This is what makes it very romantic. Without the music, it's just, I don't know what the word would be for it. I don't think I'll ever have that someone to dance with. Oh. oh. To a song like this. It's beautiful. Oh, she hasn't oh, found. Oh, we need God. an update. <laughs> Seriously, did you find someone yeah. to dance with? <laughs> this person hopefully needs. Well, that was eight years ago, and then come back. This person needs to come back. Be like update. We did find some person. <laughs> Maybe it's a good sign that they haven't. Yeah, updated. I was gonna say they're too busy dancing. Yeah, they're to come not back. being. Yeah. yeah, they're not being wistful anymore. This, 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 this is such a Sabrina comment. This person yeah. went to Paris. Yeah, I know she, it. Put a gap yeah. ad up of the man that she was in love with uh -huh. and started slowly pinning things over it as she was finding exactly. her way. Uh, yeah. yeah, okay, good. I'm glad we right. solved that mystery. I know. Wow. Emotional roller coaster. It really was. <laughs> what a way to end it. I guess that's an end for our Sabrina episode. Sarah. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for picking this song. Like I had oh. no <laughs> opportunity to talk about this until this. So thank you. Sarah, where can people keep in touch with your work and your blog? You can go to Instagram and you can go to at Lemon Holiday. And that's two M's in Lemon and two L's in Holiday because it's named after Jack Lemon and Judy Holiday. I get it. Great. Yeah, I know. It's a little... <laughs> Clever. Oh, I know. Yeah. Um, and the same that is lemonholiday.com. Nice. Uh, and check it out, her Instagram. She, I love what you've done with the graphic, with the post. Like, oh, it feels really you. nice. We also have so Instagram and Twitter for The Song Will Go On. We do. Please follow us there. Please leave us a review also. Very important as we grow in this season one. But yeah, follow us on our social media, Instagram and Twitter at The Song Will Go On. Let us know how season one is going and what you want to see more of. Yeah, uh, shoot that's, us a message if you want to hear anything. Yeah, that's a way for you to connect with us. Thank you all for listening. Until the next song that will or will not go on. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the Song Will Go On is written, researched, and produced by Sophie Matano and Paolo Garcia. Theme music is composed by William Russell. Consulting producers are JP Lee and Jonathan Fisher. Recording, editing, and mixing by Sophie Matano and Paolo Grassini. The song will go on. It's a Gigawatts podcast. You can find Gigawatts on YouTube and on Instagram at gigawatts underscore YouTube.